Hi. Hello. I'm Katerina. You've just joined Creators Abroad's podcast. Are you ready to take risks, find opportunities and spark your imagination? That's why I'm here, to be part of your creative journey and share tips with you on how to build a new life anywhere in the world. And most importantly, make a living as a creator. To do that, I invite awesome creatives from all walks of life and corners of the globe to discuss one important topic close to our hearts. If you want to find out how to become an extraordinary artist and build your dream career, hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. I release one every second week to give you more than enough time to apply everything you learn. In the meantime, you can stay in touch with me on Instagram or TikTok at creators.abroad for more tips, insights and funny moments in the life of a creative. Okay, so imagine this, you've just graduated from film school or got a music or art degree. And the question is, what's next? As much as they teach us the technical or theoretical side of our art, for most of us, they, meaning the ones who teach us, assume one of three things. One, you're also going to teach. Two, you're going to work for an agency, work for somebody else. And three, you're going to get a completely different job. Here's the fourth option. And one of the hardest, you might hit it out on your own, become an entrepreneur, or even start your own agency. But do these institutions, our lecturers, our teachers in humanities and arts, teach us to become successful creative entrepreneurs? In studio with me today to answer this question and delve into the most essential business skills to ignite our careers is Edgar Sierra, photographer, filmmaker, podcaster and owner of his own creative agency. Welcome to the show, Edgar. Hey, thank you, Katrina, for having me on. I really appreciate it. Okay, so you're going to have an opportunity now to introduce yourself to our listeners in the style of a film trailer. And you can imagine the film's called Edgar. Give us your best film trailer. My name's Edgar, uh, a kid that is Mexican, American, Latino, Hispanic, that was born to a not so wealthy family that decided to make a change, decided to pursue uh, the life he wanted, um, that has now become first generation college student and a first generation entrepreneur. Scene one, the creative entrepreneur, education and culture. I've done my research and you've been described as a jack of all trades. You've got degrees in criminal justice, photography, with double minors in business administration and entrepreneurship, and now you're completing a master's degree in cybersecurity. So you really have a broad skill base. What does this say about you, first of all, and your original vision for your life? You know, if we go back, I never had a plan. When I was younger, um, in the Hispanic culture, a lot of what is taught is to go and work hard. Um, whether that be construction, whether that be go become a lawyer, a doctor, uh, there's this huge ideology within the Mexican culture that you have to work hard for the rest of your life. And that's one thing that I never wanted. I never wanted to become this kid that has to break his back for the rest of his life. And I took on different journeys, different things through life where 
Um, I went to, I planned on graduating high school. I knew I wanted to go to college. I didn't know for what. Um, and I went to go do that. Um, my life actually started when I was younger. I joined what is considered, you know, the, the police explorer program or what would be Boy Scouts of America for a police department. And I became, um, real, I, I became surrounded by that. I, I had a lot of mentors in my life. And there was one mentor, and I'm going to give him a big shout out. Uh, his name is Officer um, Ira Coffey. And one day uh, we were on a patrol and he said, don't you ever go get a criminal justice degree if you're going to go into law enforcement because you don't need it. He said, become marketable and whatever you do in the rest of your life, become marketable. And that always stuck with me. Of course, I still went out to get a criminal justice degree, but I slowly found out that he was right. Um, there's obviously, you need more than just a criminal justice degree to go into law enforcement. You go through the academy, which teaches you everything that you need. Um, there's all kinds of things. And so what really set the tone for the rest of my life was to never become complacent uh, to one thing and to always grow. I mean, you know, as you said, I have a degree in criminal justice, uh, photography, BA, bachelor's of arts. Um, and now I'm working on uh, information technology with emphasis in cybersecurity masters. And that's really the goal was that I'm even thinking about getting another master's and, you know, something else after this one, because the minute that you stop learning, the minute that you stop being um, marketable to people is the minute that you either lose opportunities, you lose jobs, you lose the ability to grow. And I don't see myself ever becoming comfortable. And, and that's really what set the tone and has continued to set the tone for my life at this point. Yeah, it's something I can relate to because, I mean, I come from an academic family, but it's that, that point you made about continually learning. And I always want to do another degree and explore new fields, up my skills. But then there's this tension between do you actually have to do that degree? Because obviously doing those, in most cases, you have to pay for them. Is it worth it? Or do you just go out and do like the practical side of it and teach yourself? So that's something we're going to explore a bit later on. Okay. But just moving a little bit to your cultural heritage, because we do talk about culture and travel and how that kind of impacts our lives as creatives as well and how we set up our businesses. Now, your parents moved from Mexico to the United States, as you pointed out. And, right. well, that's moving from a third world or developing country to a first world country. Um, yeah. And normally that's to get like a better quality of life or a different kind of life. So do you feel more Mexican or American? I think I'm just asking this out of curiosity. And how do you think, like just extending from there, like... Does it actually matter whether we're from a third world or a first world when it comes to being creatives? Oh, all right. Now that, well, that one's tough. But so <laughs> I, I identify mostly with my Mexican heritage, um, being Mexican. And the American side of me is, is uh, I wouldn't say it's not appreciated. It's, I'm not saying that. It's, it's a balance and it's kind of weird because it's the balance based on business. You know, um, there's some people that exploit the Mexican heritage as a form of business. They they use it for 
whatever they want to use it as a statistic, right? Uh, one of the biggest things with COVID was they're wanting to give grants to minorities. Why does it only go to minorities? I, I don't agree with that part. Um, it should go to entrepreneurs or, you know, they're going to do grants. It should go to people that are actually in the business, that are actually doing something for the community. It doesn't matter if you're white, Irish, Mexican, black. It, it doesn't really matter. That's the one, I think, part that really sets me aside is that I, I don't exploit that. I also don't want to exploit the Mexican community to back me up when something happens. So there's a big balance in, in, in that and how I identify. Um, it does impact a lot of creatives because when you go to Mexico, the biggest things that they want you to become is, is you know, construction worker or rancher. They want you to have your own business. Uh, lawyer you should go be a doctor and creativeness is not accepted very much being an artist you know doing anything that revolves around arts is very frowned upon in a lot of um and a, a lot of industry not industries and a lot of heritages and a lot of countries right in, in the philippines for example um they have a big sense that you should go into the medical field whatever it is it's the medical field and nothing else um, there is some families, both on the Mexican side, Filipino side, that will actually bar you from the family if you don't follow that tradition, right? And so it becomes hard when you have young artists in Mexico um, and in America that are Mexican that want to go off and paint shoes for a living and create that into a business. Because you have mom and dad, grandpa, grandma that are trying to push you to do something that is away from that. They want you to work hard as a lawyer, as a doctor, you know, engineer and stuff like that. And, and some people are just not meant for that. Some people don't enjoy that. Um, and I and I that's where it really does become hard is like, you know, I was lucky enough to have parents that supported me in that. But I have known people that wanted to do a business and, and were basically told by the family, you do this and and you're no longer part of the family. And that becomes hard because. That discourages people that may have the best talents in art to actually go and pursue that. Yeah. And it's really interesting what you've just mentioned. It kind of brings to mind a film. I don't know if you've seen it because it's I think it's like a Disney film or something. Coco. Yes. <laughs> Where, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I taught this because I, I taught Spanish. I was a Spanish teacher, so I taught this yeah. film. Um, and I remember, I can't remember too much, but it was the little boy who wanted to play guitar, but he couldn't play guitar. Now, I think there was a different reason, but it just like the, that image yeah. of, um, you know, you really have a talent and a passion, but because of the family structure. And be, I think in some heritages, especially like, well, I'm from South Africa, so some of the African communities, and they're mm. very artistic. So I'm not like saying anything about them in particular, but when there's a very strong community doing something against the grain, Yep. can be frowned upon heavily, like almost like we're not talking to you anymore. So that was a really yeah, exactly. interesting point you made. Now, based on your answers, I'm thinking specifically about education, because if I just once again use my own uh, background as an example, education in South Africa, and I think in a lot of African countries, is like major, it's so important, because it's a privilege. It's like you have to go in and get a degree and some kind of um, proof that you, you've studied the thing that you want to do. So what would you recommend 
or tell, maybe a creative starting out and also an experienced creative when they want to up their skills in terms of education based on your own experience? Uh, all right. This is going to go against uh, a lot of people's ideologies behind my degrees and the reasoning for it. As a creative starting out, the best thing to do is just go do it. And when I say that, we live in a world right now where technology is readily available for most people. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of countries that don't have what, you know, America has or even, you know, Mexico. Or, or There's a lot of, you know, exceptions there when I say that. So it's not... It's not to bash on anybody or, or anything, but in our country, technology is at our fingertips. And one of the things that creatives a lot wait for is to become better. And the problem with that is that what is the definition of better? Is it simply drawing something out and it looks to scale? Or is it drawing something where somebody's paying you $10,000 for it? What is better? The problem that I had when I started was that is I was like, no, I can't post my photos on Instagram or social media until I'm better. Well, then I got better. And then I was like, no, it's still not good enough. And that became a problem because I couldn't showcase my work. I was too stubborn and too held back and self-doubtful that nobody would like it. Well, the problem is, how do they know they how do you know they don't like it if you're not posting it, if you're not sharing it, if you're not uh, getting out of your comfort zone and just being like, hey, who cares if anybody sees it? I'm doing this for me, right? I'm doing this to grow as a creator. And that's realistically one of the big things that I would say to creators now, if you're doing shoes and they look decent, post them up. If they don't look decent, post them up too. <laughs> it's just about getting out there and get out of that comfort zone. You'll always get better. And the thing with it is you can show that progression in 10 years, be like, yo, what was I thinking with this first shoot? But look where I've got it. You know, I do that all the time. I share people my first photo ever. And let me tell you, it was not good um, compared to where I'm at now. Right. And it's taken time. As far as creatives um, in terms of education. Is, I disagree with a lot of the mentality that our education system in America has for uh Anybody that's going into a creative field, such as photography, videography, digital design, um, anything in that realm, I, I really disagree with it. In the sense that when I went through my bachelor's in photography, I actually only took, I want to say, four total actual photography classes. The rest had to do with the Renaissance, uh, learning about Greek architect. It had nothing to do with with photography, right? And in America, you end up paying, you know, forty, sixty thousand dollars, maybe more, for an education like that. And if I can't leave my photography degree or my college and go and find a decent job, then what was the point of it? Um, I got lucky that. I kind of started my photography journey before I even decided to take a degree in it. 
And there was actually a time where I argued with the teacher about what she was teaching because it was incorrect. And we got into it. And rightfully so, she saw that the results that I told her were going to happen from this teaching happen to the students because I'm teaching it from a different perspective. There was a lot of times that I didn't want to go to school because I was learning about how ancient Greeks uh, planted plants. How does that benefit me? I don't disagree with having an art history. So you understand where art comes from, where you've gone from the first image on a camera to where we're at now with, with photography, right? Um, and, and that's the biggest disagreement I have in education. If you, I, I think now with the world that we live in and the accessibility that we have to different things such as YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, all these platforms that are willing to, that have creators that are willing to teach you this for free is to go get an education and something else. If you're going to build a business, go and get a BA, go and get a degree in entrepreneurship in something, uh, financing something, because that's one thing that they don't teach you whatsoever. And if you're going to go into business, you need to understand that you can't just understand how to be a photographer. There's so much more to that. Right. And accepting that if you are completely clueless about how to start and you do want a degree, there's trade schools now. There's schools that specifically will only teach you how to photograph. And those decisions uh, have to be made and have to be broken away from the society norms that you have to go to this university. No, if you have the ability to go to something like. Um, Art Institute we have here, right? They specifically will teach you digital design, photography, and nothing else. That's why those schools have become so popular and the society norm of you have to go to a university, blah, 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 uh, community college, and that's all you can do. That is wrong. And, and we need to break away from that norm in, in education for creatives, especially. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you're, if the Greek... Um what was it, Greek architecture <laughs> or yeah. tragedy or philosophy? I don't know anymore. If it, that, those were like your choices or if it was just like part of the, you know, they always have pre-elected degrees or whatever, not degrees, like subjects. Yeah, so it, it was a it was a requirement to graduate. I'm like, I, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and, right, and that's, that's the other, that's the other problem is that sometimes us students, we just say, all right, you got to graduate, right? And yeah. You don't really learn from those classes. And I just, I, I don't remember anything about it. If you ask me right now, zero idea. It's, it's such a strange thing. Like, that's why I thought to bring it up. Because I think a lot of people get stuck on this question, especially with, like, depending on the pressure they have in society, whether they have to actually study it, you know, like have a piece right. of paper to say I'm qualified or whether they can just go out, get the experience. Obviously, like you said, first tries aren't going to be your best, but that's not the point. Yeah. It's never going to be your best. Even if you have a piece right. of paper, <laughs> you're always going to have exactly. them. Exactly. The th interesting part is like what I studied, I didn't actually think I'd ever use. And then I ended up using it now. So I'm at this moment, I'm like, I wish I'd pay more attention but either way <laughs> i mean it's just right. that thing you never know you never know and right. you shouldn't get hung up on that scene two most important business skills 
Or should I say most important business skill? Because I want to narrow this down onto one skill. Like, man, if you got this, you should be okay. But let's start um, just discussing a little bit about these skills in general. So you obviously, you set up eSierra Media, which is your agency. And it focuses on all kinds of visual arts. So you've you've started maybe as a photographer, then started with the filmmaking side of things. And you even have a podcast, The Daily Entrepreneur. Very un creative like <laughs> like I had no idea when we first spoke like this was you had a photography business or a visual arts business I love the reason why you started the podcast though so can you tell us a little bit more about your beginnings as a creative entrepreneur you can maybe highlight a couple of things that went well maybe something that was you struggled with and then the reason for your podcast uh yeah so this actually started back when I was 16 uh, 17, I had a professor who was a photographer. And one day he was just like, hey, I need some help in the studio. Would you mind coming and helping me out? I said, yeah, that's fine. And then it all started from there. I started him doing some creative shoots, doing some fun stuff that, you know, you would only see in TV, you know, just I'd never been part of that. And a couple years, actually a year later when I was 18, I got my first camera, started shooting with him and just fell in love with what you could do. Um, I spent some time with him at, at one point, relationship kind of deteriorated and I, I moved on to other things. And what I did is I actually just started shooting for fun. As most things start, right? You just do it for fun and see where it goes. Mm -hmm. And this is a funny story because I went out to a local area called Moon Rocks and it's a desert area. It legit looks like Moon Rocks. And I was doing what's called light painting and in photography, light painting is essentially just an open shutter in your camera and creating illusions, uh, dimensions with a light, right? Whether whatever light you want to use, you create it. I was trying this out because I saw it on a photographer's page and went to go try it out myself. Well, this random lady approaches me and goes, Hey, what are you doing? And I said, Nothing, doing a photo shoot. She goes, can I see? Sure. She looked at, that, at my camera. And at the time, I was like, not that great, lady. Like, there's so much work that needs to be done to these photos, right? She's like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And in my head, I'm like, all right, lady, move on. Don't get my hopes up. And then she goes, well, how would you like to be my head photographer? I have three magazines in town. And I'm just like, all right, lady, whatever. Gives me her card. And I was just like, man, maybe I should message her. Because it was three days later and I still hadn't, I didn't believe that this was happening. So I messaged her. I said, hey, we should go grab some coffee. I went into that meeting with no expectations. So a week later, we go get coffee and uh, sat down, had a great conversation. She decided that I was a fit that she needed for her magazine. By the end of the day, she had set up six seven photo shoots for me i didn't know where that ha that happened right um one of them just so happened to be for two big car companies jaguar and land rover and so we did a photo shoot for them and i was an amateur i was like what am i doing i'm gonna get sued because i don't know what the hell i'm doing so that's kind of where the business started right i started making this money with jaguar and land rover and the magazine and I honestly, the only reason my business became a business was because I was scared that the IRS was going to come and uh, 
and uh, come knocking at my door asking for their taxes. <laughs> and for those that you know aren't in the U.S., the IRS is our our tax revenue service uh, government agency that collects taxes here. Yeah. And so I really was like, I need to go get a business license. I need to go to go get an EIN, which is part of business building and. You know, one thing that I found out during that process was that a lot of people did not want to show me how to do that. They're like, you're going to become competition. You know, you're going to become another competitor in the industry. I'm not going to do that. And I found it hard. I lost upwards of $7,000, you know, buying classes, doing this, you know, going on these sites that said, we'll help you build a business. And then you pay from and then they don't do anything for you. So that's really... Where my, my journey started, um, when I started doing my business, it was out of my bedroom. I had a little corner desk, and that's where I ran everything from. I had all of my equipment in there and you know, got to a point uh, back in 2019 where I just said, I can't do this. I need an office. I got an office, 425-square-foot office uh, where it started. Now we're at just over 800 square feet of office space with the studio, two employees, um, and it grew from photography to videography to now a full-blown digital media company where we do a one-stop shop for everybody. And the daily entrepreneur actually reverts back to when I first started my business. The fact that people were not willing to help me really bothered me. There's nothing in this industry. There's nothing in entrepreneurship itself that should be hitting because we're not here forever. Right. Those entrepreneurs that shut their doors on me have actually shut their doors on their own business while I'm still thriving because I continue to help those that want that dream of having their own business. And the daily entrepreneur is people that are successful in their industries and are giving advice or giving their full on life to those listeners because there's students that are, you know, there's kids that are 18, 19, and they see all of the social media with people doing drop shipping and that they're making 50,000 a day, 60,000 a day, and they thrive for that, but they don't understand where that business building starts. And sometimes a lot of those things are scams where they just basically give you a website and say, Hey, hope for the best. Now you have to spend $15,000 on marketing just to make that 60,000. And I think giving a free platform, giving them a free resource where they can listen to not only my story, but the story of different entrepreneurs in different industries will help ignite that thrive to go and do things the right way so that you're not like me, you know, hoping that the IRS doesn't come knocking at your door and then you do something. And that's really where the daily entrepreneur came from, was from that feeling of not having a mentor um, or a guide to help me through this journey. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, did you approach people in your own industry or any kind of entrepreneur that you might have had in your network? At the time, um, it was only in my industry uh, because that's all I, I was like, well, if I'm going to go into this industry, I want a mentor that's in the same industry and can help me out. And I think that was a problem when I did that. Right. I was only I was young. I was only 18, 19 um, when that all happened. Yeah, no, that's like it's so true what you say. It's easy to think like when you start, like even like you who perhaps didn't have the idea of a business right at the beginning and you were surprised by the meetings and the woman being interested in your work and so on. But then once you get into that, you have no idea all of the different skills and 
that you're going to need all the questions, like just like IP, intellectual property and all of that. So, I mean, I've got the same experience and it's so important to have a resource or someone to turn to with those questions. And the other side of the thing, um, of this and it comes in with the digital marketing and social media as well is all these people trying to sell you services and it's so hard like there's no way for you to distinguish between the ones who are actually going to help you and they all charge and the ones who are basically just going to take your money and you're going to be left where you started so that's a really important point you brought up now of course this navigation of the ups and downs of starting a business is mind-boggling uh, but developing the right skills, and I think this is sometimes what sets one entrepreneur or creative entrepreneur apart from another, will really help you not only keep your business up and running, but thrive eventually. As you explained, you went like from your bedroom to four, uh, what was it, 400? I'm terrible with these, th- <laughs> these yeah, things. Yeah, four hundred fourteen office. Yeah. yeah, a big, a bigger office, a bigger office. Yeah. Let me just play with that. Um, so... <laughs> Are we taught the skills we need to survive in the creative business, uh, creative industries as business owners? Quick answer: No, we're not, not, not at all. One of the biggest things that you know, being a business owner um, in general, entrepreneurship, and I think you could even take this next advice I'm going to say into life is we're not ever taught to be uncomfortable. Um, I think we've seen, especially here in the U.S., a big uh, generation jump where you have people that are considered here baby boomers, you know, late 1950s into the 70s, um, where they were taught to work hard, go to a factory, work hard, do all this. And you have a generation now that was built around technology and, you know, they, they can sit behind a computer, um, they go to school. I mean, there's there's so many things that I feel like in this generational gap, we haven't been taught to be uncomfortable. Um, not saying that the older generation is known for that. Um, they've had it different. You know, if you look at those generation jumps from World War One to World War Two, they lived on fear. You know, they lived on, on getting bombed. It's one thing from that. Not saying that we don't live in that fear, but our fear is different today. And that growth doesn't get taught anywhere, not in school, Um, especially in the U.S. education system. You know, at one point we had an administration that decided to do a no child left behind, meaning that you move with your class, whether you are succeeding or not, they would push you through from one grade to another. That doesn't help because if you fail in business, you fail, period, right? That's it. Mm -hmm. There's nobody that's going to come in and give you $1,000 or $100,000 to move on to the next thing, even though you still didn't know how to manage $100. And that becomes an issue because, you you know, for a lot of people that are starting businesses, they're bootstrapping. And bootstrapping businesses, you start with your own money and you save or you're working a nine to five and then you're putting a little bit apart just to build that next business. Well... When you lose money, a lot of people decide to quit and they go back to a nine to five and they never make their dream come true. And I'll give you the biggest lesson that I learned. Um, I went for working for the federal government. I was making $25, $27 an hour 
have the best health care, have the best benefits, have everything. I quit to do this. And you know what happened the first three months? I didn't take care of my debt. I was hurting. I, my now fiance had to actually take care of my bills for about two months because I couldn't make it. I was never taught that. Um, and as I've grown, I've continued to teach that to entrepreneurs now because sometimes you're just taught to move along and, and you'll be fine, right? And that's really not how it goes. You, you can't have your problems fixed. You need to understand to value not only your dollar, but your time. Um, you need to understand to be uncomfortable. Being uncomfortable is the number one key to growth. I can't tell you how many times I've sat in this office and contemplated moving forward because either I'm like, man, I don't know if we're going to make bills next month. I don't know when I'm going to be able to pay myself. Can I even pay my employees? Right. And it's not that there isn't the money there, but it's like, you know, if you have low money, because, for example, lately, COVID, things have been completely, you know, strict. You were limited on what kind of work we can do when you get uncomfortable that's where growth happens. Because when I got uncomfortable, I have a pl- I, I have one or two things I can do. Either I can say, you know what, forget all of this, I'm done, I'm going to go work a nine to five. Or I can sit here and make a plan of how am I going to be better tomorrow to grow this business and make sure that everybody is taken care of. Yeah. Wow, that's such a wonderful example, especially when you start thinking, so it's one thing to kind of build a business by yourself, but once you've got the responsibility of employees, that becomes like, wow, okay, so now it's not just me, it's other people, their livelihoods and so on. So that pressure is is a lot. And these are all the skills that we, we actually never learn. Right. I don't know why, <laughs> um, as creatives. Um, yeah. Of course, what can happen is you become so overwhelmed and you touched on this. Even mature agencies, I don't know how long you've been running Legally, <laughs> for uh, four, for four years now, going on. Uh, okay. Yeah, going on four years. Yeah. So depending, it can you can even be experienced, have run for a couple of years, but the moment you you avoid the uncomfortableness, you just accept the like good and the the things that have gone right, and you don't look to develop further, to learn further, like you don't go into those uncomfortable zones, then you stagnate and there's a high chance of just not like other people will take, go past you. Um, So what is the most important business skill for all creatives? So we've touched a little bit broadly, but now if we zone in on like one skill that you go do this, get this, learn this. (sighs) Little cliche here, um, but it'll veer from what we talked about. Um, And that's, learning to be uncomfortable or learning to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. When you, and and this is the best way that I can put it. If you ever get in a cage, we're gonna say lion for this case, right? And you're facing fear right in the eyes. You know that it's gonna happen. That lion is eventually gonna bite you. When you start to calm down and you breathe through it and you accept the facts and make a plan, that's the best thing that you can do as an entrepreneur or as a creative or both because that uncomfortableness is going to teach you how to calm down, make a plan. It's going to teach you how to breathe um, things strategically, not 
you know, be momentarily impacted by your adrenaline rush. And that I think has been the number one reason for my success so far. And I can't say that from when I was younger, younger, I was explosive. I was angry. I wanted everything to be done now. If it wasn't done now, then I'd be pissed. And I slowly found out that when things get uncomfortable, I'm at the best point in my life because I'm growing. And if you don't ever become uncomfortable, then obviously you're not growing, right? We learn from undesirable experiences sometimes. And that's realistically, I think, the number one skill that every creative and entrepreneur should learn. And now you're going to have a bunch of people that says like, okay, no, that's fine. I'll do a nine to five job. <laughs> I'll skip the being uncomfortable part. No, but it's so, so true. It's, it's like spot on. I've had a couple of uncomfortable experiences lately and I just realized that that's where it's at. That's where the learning's at. If you get through those, that's going to make you stronger as an entrepreneur and as a creative. And that's what we're looking for. Scene three. Hi, me. <laughs> Most needed yet essential skills. <laughs> I just loved coming up with that. I might even make the, the title of this podcast, Hire Me. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> you have lots of experience in traveling between countries while shooting, making videos and working with clients. Obviously, with the last year, it's been a little bit different, but in general. Now, being comfortable with traveling and moving equipment around, dealing also with different cultural situations is an advantage. And I say this from my own experience as well. Now, if you could write a guide for filmmakers or photographers on traveling with equipment, what are the three chapter titles you'll include and why? <laughs> uh, that's, that's a really solid question. First chapter would be understanding your environment. Um, and I would say that because the people that you travel with um, outside of the country are going to become most important before your equipment, before anything else. If your environment is one that is responsible, and, and when I mean environment, I mean those that are traveling with you or where you're going to be at, right? Um, if that environment is on the same page as you as far as responsibility being in another country, um, if they're just going to go and drink for the whole night and you get lost, that may not be the people you want to be with, um, especially being in a foreign country. Uh, secondly, when I say environment is understand the laws and regulations uh, as well as the traditions of that country you're going to. Um, there's some countries here that are very strict about the religion. And if you don't follow it, guess what? You're getting kicked out immediately. And that's one of the things that, you know, I would definitely take into consideration. Uh, chapter two would be overpacking. So as a filmmaker, uh, photographer, overpack. There's no doubt about it. Uh, we've done it all the time because you never know when a situation is going to rise where you're going to need that piece of equipment um, or if something's going to break. So always overpack. I mean, pack two of everything if you can. Um, we're lucky enough that, you know, at this point we have two cameras. Uh, we have we have multiple SD cards. Uh, we have multiple light setups that we can take with us, but always overpack. We've gone to a point where we've gone down to to Mexico and it was like we just broke something. You may not be able to replace it because those countries don't always have the things you need. 
luckily in some of the situations I became really good friends with the locals and there was another videographer photographer in town that was like hey man you can borrow my stuff thanks buddy I really appreciate that <laughs> so he he saved me on that one and then I think chapter three chapter three would have to be love what you're doing if you go to any country with any client for whatever reason if you're not in love with what you're doing it's going to show especially in video and photo emotions are shown through it um if a client looks unhappy guess what your photo is going to look unhappy and i say this from experience i had a client once i was unhappy during her shoot and when people saw it they're like why is she so angry i'm like wow you can tell even though she's smiling right so i would say that i say you know and appreciate that you're traveling you know a lot of creatives don't get to do that um appreciate that you're you're getting the chance to go somewhere outside of your hometown or wherever you live whatever that situation may be so enjoy those moments enjoy you know what's out there beyond the world and if you're going to capture something do it with respect um do it with love do it with care and you know just and also don't break things don't go to another country and break people's things to get that one shot so yeah, that, that's that's I think the best that's that's the best guide I could give. Can you give an example of the breaking something? You seem to have experience in all of these things. No, actually, I don't. I, I but I've seen. See, that's the thing. That's why I would write in my chap in that chapter because I, I when I go, I I try to respect everything that's around me. Yeah. If, for example, if I'm flying a drone, I make sure I don't cut trees. I make sure I'm not going to crash into anybody's backyard, right? Because Respect that, that you're you're a visitor in somebody's house. It's the same way as if you go to a friend's house, right? Do you go in there and just start breaking his doors? Do you go in there and, you know, you, you wouldn't want that. Um, so that's the way that I see it. Um, and I've seen examples of, you know, and you've probably seen this on the media too. It's sometimes it comes out in the news where somebody decided to go on the top of the tree to get that one shot and then they fall and they end up dying, you know, because they fell off the tree. I, I think one of the biggest examples is it was one of the Paw brothers that went to Japan and they went into the forest. Uh, they, I think they called it a suicide forest. Mm. That's a disrespect for what he did. He, he got completely obliterated for it. And rightfully so. He's a foreigner. You don't do what you did, especially in a situation that serious. Right. And that may be an extreme case. Maybe a lot of people don't do that, but that's an extreme case of, of, you know, mistreating another country, another place, another sacred place to somebody else it may not be sacred to you, but it may be sacred to the locals. It may be sacred to somebody that's in that town. You don't go in and disrespect that. Yeah. I mean, it's another really good point in the sense that as creatives, sometimes we just want to create. We just sometimes want to get that shot. And we don't always think about the impact we have on people around us or the environment around us. And it's something we have to navigate because you do have to go out of your way. But at the same time, you have to be aware of how if it's disrespecting somebody, if it's really interfering with, a, say, in your the example you gave, like a country's religion or what's accepted and not accepted, then you should probably not do that. You should not go that far or you should try and get permission if that's something you can get. So. 
Now, we have touched on a little bit of culture, first world, third world mentality when it comes to being a creative and also business skills. Thinking of personal skills before we kind of start wrapping this up, if you were hiring at eSierra Media, who would your ideal candidate be? Uh, it's funny you mentioned that. So my second hire just got hired uh, less than two months ago or just a little over two months. Uh, my ideal candidate, far, uh, first and foremost, needs to be able to be outgoing and talk to people. I built my business um, around around the human aspect and old school traditions of business dealing. I don't heavily rely on social media. We use it. Um, we'll continue to use it. It doesn't deteriorate, deteriorate me from using it. But one of the things that I think this generation has kind of lost touch is the fact of going and having coffee with somebody. Something so simple as coffee, lunch, or something along those lines can actually benefit you in the long run. And my candidate needs to be able to to talk to people, be outgoing, get out of their comfort zone. If they're not a talker, get out of your comfort zone and let's do this. One of the questions I asked my, my current hire, and I had two interviews. I went from like seven interviews to people pulling applications out. My, my assistant now, I asked her, are you willing to fail? With no hesitation, she said, yes. And that's what I need. I need, I need somebody that's outgoing, that's willing to talk, somebody that's willing to fail, but somebody that's also willing to fix whatever that failure was or, or learn from those mistakes. Going back to the idea of failure is I, I, I failed. I continue to fail and I'll continue to fail for the rest of my life. But it takes more of a bigger person to admit that they failed. And so our second candidate that we interviewed, she didn't even understand what I was asking. And that threw up red flags to me. Um, we, didn't, we, we, cut, we cut it short. That was it, right? Because when somebody doesn't understand the question, are you willing to fail? That scares me because they probably have never failed or have continued to be caught when they were about a hip failure or have never been uncomfortable to the point of failure, right? And that's, that's the biggest things I look for. Um, and I think lastly, they have to be willing to say no to me. And a lot of business owners don't like that. I, I enjoy that. I want somebody that's willing to think differently than I am. And if I'm doing something that's incorrect, I want somebody to be like, yo, what are you doing? I don't care if I sign your paycheck. I don't care if I'm the business owner. You have to be willing to disagree with me because that's the only way that me as a person can grow, the company can grow because that diversity of thoughts, that diversity of skills, the diversity of backgrounds only strengthens a business, only strengthens a company. People that are against diversity are missing out on so much that they don't even see it because they're blind to it. I mean, if they're already blind to diversity, they're blind to, to everything else. Um, so to sum it up, somebody that's willing to fail, somebody that is willing to say no to me, and somebody that has people skills. At the end of the day, people skills to me are the most important. And to help you understand why that's important, 
the very first Jaguar Land Rover shoot that I did um, actually caused me, allowed me that two years down the road, got me the job to go to Mexico and start shooting internationally. That's how people's skills work, is that they may not pay off right now, but in the long term, they will pay off. And I never see people as money. I look at clientele, customer service, all that before I do anything else. Money will come when it comes. Uh, people's skills need to happen now. I think it's so hard to understand the importance until you actually in that position and you do it. Right. And like, especially the failure thing, we always, especially when we're like going for an interview and we want to get hired, we want to say, okay, well, I'm all perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I'm do everything exactly. perfectly. And that's not in what you want because it's exactly how you, what you said in terms of when we fail, that's how we learn and develop most. And you want someone who's going to develop and not just, um, you know, freeze because it's not perfect. And of course, you don't want to just surround yourself with yes people because then you won't get that chance to develop and learn about your own failures. So really, right. really great advice there. Now, in terms of like kind of your own mistakes, you might have touched on some shortcomings, but if it's so important, we've been talking about this the whole podcast through, like how when we identify our shortcomings, how we push through those, how we develop, that is like crucial to any business growth. In the process of building your company and podcast, name two mistakes you'd like to help others avoid and how you plan to do it. Uh, number one, um, going back to our very first conversation, debt. Um, if you're going to be bootstrapping a business, do not start a business if you have large amounts of debt where you can't keep up. Because immediately out of the gate, you're going to be stressed, right? For example, if your business is starting and you're in debt, let's say $10,000, for example, um, when you go from nine to five where you show up, you clock in, you do your work, you go home, and you get a paycheck. Uh, business is not done that way. Uh, business is done by you creating jobs or accomplishing jobs and then paying yourself. Um, so let's say, for example, you have $10,000 in debt. Let's say credit cards are going to cost you, you know, $500 a month because that's what it's costing, right, For to cover that $10,000 in debt. If you can't pay that, guess what? Your business is already going to fail because you're too stressed caring about that money than you are about the logistics and growing your business. That was one of my mistakes. I, I can tell you that now I made that mistake. And like I said, I ended up having to learn really quick. And, you know, I will be forever thankful to my now fiance for allowing me to to continue doing this. And she, by her simply saying, hey, I'm going to take care of I'm going to take care of your bills. Right. Not everybody has that. So preparing for that. If you have that debt and you have some savings then you might be in a little bit of better position. But still, that will become stressful because you're going to drain through your savings really quickly. That was one mistake and one that, you know, I would tell people avoid that. Uh, continue working your nine to five until you can pay off, you know, small, you know, a huge chunk of your debt. If, if you end up only spending a hundred bucks or let's say $60 on credit cards versus 500, that's going to make a big difference on your stress level. I would say the second mistake that ever made is not understanding 
or caring about my finances. Uh, when I first started the business, I bought a camera, bought some cool lenses, um, bought some lights, and never assessed those assets to the business. Um, and that's one thing I think a lot of people fail is that they see the next best lens or next best Wacom tablet or you know whatever may be the next top thing, and they never assess if it's going to be you know worth it to them three years down the road or three days down the road. When you start assessing those things, and you know if if you have the money to pay a little bit more for something that's going to last you three years versus three weeks or three months make wait to buy that because if you buy something now that's $500 and you have to spend that $500 again in three months, you're just going to continue putting yourself in, in a hole. So learn to assess your assets, learn to assess what you're buying prior to buying it, right? Cheaper doesn't always mean better and expensive doesn't always mean better. Um, you have to find something that is going to let you grow whatever business it is that you're trying to grow, you need to be able to grow that with the money that you have. And um, your budgeting will tell you that, right? Uh, so financial uh, structure, I would say, would be the second mistake that I made at the beginning of my business. And if you can avoid it, avoid it to the full extent. Just don't do it. You know, learn from somebody. Um, you can definitely learn online from creators, it's not that hard. Just learn to assess those kind of things prior to buying them or prior to making any huge jumps like that in, in your journey. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much for sharing those uh, couple of tips and things that people can look out to avoid. Now, I'm a little bit, oh, I'm obsessed with travel. Uh, <laughs> my, my show is called Creators Abroad. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, We've touched on travel a little bit and how it helps us develop our craft. How important is it really? Can you tell somebody, if you meet somebody, like somebody who's maybe a photographer or, mm -hmm. I don't know, an artist, creative, can you tell that they've been homebound most of their life or that they've been out and traveling? Um, <sighs> this is, the, okay, this is a great question. And uh, fair warning, so some of the things I'm going to say, it's going to be, you know, a, a little different than most people's thinking, but it's really important to travel. Uh, first of all, because you get to experience things uh, in person. Um, you get to be there, you get to enjoy the moment, you get to, you know, do the things that you probably see on TV. And yes, you can tell when somebody's homebound because they will answer questions based on movie quality movie you know traditions you know there's a photo on facebook a couple of days ago that it shows the beauty of mexico and then it shows you what what hollywood shows you right and it's just like a different color grading where it's like really blue and that's not at all what mexico looks like <laughs> so when somebody tries to compare that to that then you know you immediately know like hey buddy uh you know save some money go take a, a plane trip out to mexico um, it also comes with with the news, and I'll give you my experience from this. Um, although I am Mexican, I'd never been to Mexico before until 2019. And, you know, I, I've been here my whole life. And when you hear the news say cartels are doing this, they're killing everybody, they're shooting, you know, it's dangerous to go down there. 
I crossed the border and I, I got scared. I was like, oh, well, here goes my life. It's over, you know. I actually had the best experience going into Mexico. Uh, when I would, when I do go down there, I'm not scared. I go in there like it's just a, another city, another town. I, I feel welcome that the locals don't treat you wrong. They actually are very welcoming people, you know, and, and, and I'll give you even further story from that first time is we had a chef come in to cook for the entire race team. And I asked her, I said, well, where do you live? And she goes, well, I live in Tijuana. And as most people know, Tijuana, Mexico is a border town to the U.S. And it's dangerous and that's what everybody thinks. And I said, well, aren't you scared? She goes, no. I said, well, why not? I mean, the news says that you're, you know, that it's dangerous and all this. And she said, well, I'm not, I'm not scared. It's, I've been here my whole life. I said, oh, okay. Well, then, you know, it might be more dangerous when you go to Sinaloa, Mexico, which is the capital of of cartels and she goes no i've been there too it's had a great time i was like what <laughs> and you get into this mentality of what you're shown around you that you don't realize that and and then this is where it really hit home i said well that's crazy because i i hear all these stories and it, it has to be true she goes well realistically if you're not involved in the cartels if you're not involved in gangs Nobody gives a shit. Nope. Sorry. Nobody cares about you. Nobody really cares about you. They, they, they're doing their own thing. If you're involved, obviously something's going to happen to you. But it's like anything else. But wow, she made a point. And then I said, would you ever move to America? She goes, no. And I was like, what? You know, you assume uh, from the outside point of view is that like, look, America is the place for dreams, is a place for this and et cetera, right? And I asked her, I said, why wouldn't you move here? And she goes, well, because at least here, they don't kill my kids for going to school. And I, it, it that, that was a, a rude awakening for me. Because little do you know that what you see on the news about them is just as bad as the news that they see about you. And when creatives get in that circle of, you know, what they see on the news, they're not experiencing what's actually there. They're not actually going down there and trying to experience it, you know. I hope when people do go out, they're going to be a whole different person when they come back. And I think that's the best thing that any creative could do. Yeah, totally, totally. I mean, traveling is gold. It's like one of the best things you can do, obviously, under when you can and when it's allowed and all of that. But I get the same questions, like, you know, you grew up in Johannesburg, wasn't it scary? I'm like, no, <laughs> it was perfectly fine. I mean, you did know things, you knew where you had to go and where you didn't, but it was perfectly okay. And it's actually like this a great experience. And a lot of people, because they have these preconceived ideas about places. And I mean, I've been to Mexico, I love it there. Yeah. Um, they don't actually take that risk of just going and learning right. that it's not that bad and then having that own perspective for themselves. And I think we can relate that right back to being uncomfortable, right? That's how you grow it in, like you said, people don't just jump on and want to go do it because they're scared of everything that's being said. Well, go do it and, and you know, it'll change your mindset. Be uncomfortable for a second. 
I, I will say, be safe about it, right? But go and be willing to experience that for at least once. Yes, I mean, with all of these things, there is the, you know, logical or practical in how you're going to go about it and what yeah. you can do. But the point is, don't let preconceived ideas hold you back forever. The sooner, the better. <laughs> right. Well, thank you so much for for joining me today. And I do have a quick uh, fire round, round 42, yes. the answer to life, the meaning and everything. But before we get into that, um, right. where can people find out more about you? Yeah, so um, if you guys, uh, there's a couple ways to get a hold of us. Uh, our Instagram handle is e.sierramedia. Uh, YouTube, e.sierramedia. Um, same thing with Facebook is e.sierramedia, all across all platforms. TikTok, same thing. Um, we post some funny stuff there um, that's less serious than, you know, what we do in other platforms. But you guys can definitely find us there. And then, of course, uh, The Daily Entrepreneur, our podcast is streaming on every major platform right now. Awesome. Thank you once again, Edgar. Yeah, thank you. All right. Let's get right into this quick fire round. Okay. So it's the end of the world. Yes. We can only specialize in one skill for the rest of our lives. What is okay. yours? The only one? Oh, man. You know what? I would say culinary arts because food is everything and you need that to survive. <laughs> Good food, in other yeah. words. <laughs> yeah, and it brings people together, so it works. It works. Okay, cool. So you're going to be a cook for the rest of your life. Done. <laughs> um, <laughs> strangest tradition in Mexico? Oh. Uh, I can't think of one. Strangest tradition in Mexico. Oh, man. You got me on that one. I... Well, let's turn to America then. Strangest tradition in America. <laughs> uh, going to college? <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> puts you more in debt than it does help you. I'm just saying. That's true. <laughs> very, very true. What important truth do very few people agree with you on? Uh, that everything happens for a reason. A lot of people will fight me on that, that no things happen um, strangely or they happen because of whatever. Like, I, I truly believe things happen for a reason, 100%. Like, everything happens to you because either you can, because you can handle it or because it's going to put you in the direction that you need to be in. And a lot of people don't agree with me on that. Hmm. Cool. I just like did a video where I was like talking about destiny and whether it exists and fate and all of that. I don't know. Weird. What would you do tomorrow if you were 20% braver? <laughs> uh, open up more businesses. <laughs> <laughs> Hire me, please. <laughs> Right? You know what? Just name it that. Just name the episode Hire Me. <laughs> oh. That's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you haven't done this yet, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts as this makes a big difference in helping more people find the show. And it's just great to hear what you think. Of course, you can just get in touch on Insta at creators.abroad or head over to my website, creatorsabroad.com. Let me know what was the biggest lesson you learned in this episode. And then I'd like to share a little bit of news that I'll 
tell you more about in the following episodes. In addition to my podcast production, I've now launched an exclusive video production wing that focuses only on capturing the heartbeat of your brand through max impact videos. So whether you're a passionate business owner, a sports celebrity or entertainer, if you want to get your videos the best they can be, let me know and we can talk about what you need. Join me next time for more narrative journeys of creators abroad.